concludes a few details that was left out on Matthew. Ah, it's good to hear so much folks speaking and testifying. It means I don't need to preach for so long, eh? Praise the Lord. Just keep speaking, people. I'll get us time down to five minutes. Amen. <laughs> this pulpit is near the center of the universe, but I was speaking to Richard before we started this morning. Two weeks ago, I spoke on fevers, spiritual fevers, hot minute, Carl, the next minute. And then, the week after that, a lot of us got physical fevers. I was one of them. Some of you had been struggling as well. Did I speak on last week? Storms. If it's happened this week, storms. Superstitious amongst us who. So they, huh? Well, better or not, I am speaking about the demon possessed man a day. So you are in for a treat this week. <laughs> Just watch where you go this week, boy. I've got a legions waiting for you in every corner. I would just, if you don't want to confront them, don't go near your in-laws. Don't go near the in-laws. That's going to happen, Mark chapter 5. Only with the last name, in-law. Just avoid. Just for a week. Okay, Mark chapter 5. I have spoken about this guy a few times, but as we are working through the miracles, we are really trying to look at an overall spiritual theme and not just the details and there's a lot of reading, I mean, I've got to read it uh, uh, to begin with, but I am going to give you an overall picture. Uh, starting from verse 1 in chapter 5. They arrived at the other side of the lake, kisses after they have come through the storm. They could have they panicked in the storm, they could have fell asleep through the storm, but Jesus made this journey for this moment. And do you realize that there is great purpose in every storm you go through because there might be somebody at the other side of the storm that really needs to hear the message of hope. And we go through storms and we get so, we think it's about us. And we think it's Jesus trying to help us and getting us through stuff for us. And true, that may be. But this storm that they had just gone through and getting through the divine purpose was there was a guy on the other side that was gone through a personal storm within him, and nobody wanted anything to do with him. And nobody wanted to touch him, and they tried to chain him up, and he broke free, and he was demon-possessed, and he was troubled, and he was crazy, but Jesus wanted to do something within this man's life. Verse 2, as Jesus stepped ashore, a demon-possessed madman came out of the graveyard and confronted him. The man had been living there among the tombs of the dead. No one was able to restrain him, not even with chains. For every time they attempted to chain his hands and feet with shackles, he would snap the chains and break the shackles in pieces. He was so strong that no one had the power to subdue him. Day and night he could be found lurking in the cemetery or in the vicinity, shrieking and mangling himself with stones. You want to find a lot of people like this maybe in a community. But there is a few things within here that I think is worth mentioning, and it's to do with mental health. Mental health has become such an avenue in 
the community has made great strides or being able to speak about mental health that used to be so taboo. But when I start to... Yeah, we're good. Right. Although there's maybe nobody we can think of that's so powerful and so crazy as this guy and lives amongst tombs, but the details that's included gives my hope for people that struggle with mental health. That he was termed as just a madman. He was just prescribed, you're just a madman, you're just a lunatic, you're off your head. And then it says as well that he lurked among the dead, he was fixated with death, shrieking, and he was a self-harmer. You notice that? Mangling himself with stones. I think it's good to speak about stuff like this because probably somebody in here struggles with self-harming or has struggled and is looking for solutions. And it's good to speak about this because it exposes a problem and brings it out so that we can see Jesus as a solution. No, I'm not saying put a wire, medication, I a prescription. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you've got to consider Jesus as a solution for mental health. This was a demonic, possessed guy, but maybe you're a Christian. You just, it's oppression and it's anxiety. It's, it's a battle of the mind. It's in the mind. They said about this guy, he's out of his mind. I think the greater miracles includes the lesser miracles. If Jesus could do this and think he's a what to do with this guy, then maybe you're not so crazy as this guy, but maybe you'd still a battle of the mind. You think, why do I think the why I think? I'm, people are trying to restrain me and give me stuff to try and just get my behavior sorted okay, but every time my behavior, I think it's got to be okay through shackles, I just burst off the shackles and go crazy again. And behind the scenes, there's self-harming going on, and you think, ah, if there's a solution, well, look at this guy. Look at the problems he faced. Look at the influence he'd come under. Nobody could deal with him. He lived amongst the tombs. The society looked in, the community looked like us. We've never got a solution for him. We have tried to restrict him. We've tried to deal with him, but nothing is working. And then we read on. And then there's an actual discussion between Jesus and the demons. The demons recognize him as a son of God. They recognize that there's a judgment to come. And they think, ah, Jesus, are you just here to torment us just new before the time? And the demon says, would I want to go to a vacant space? Would I want to go to hell? Send us into the pigs. And unusually, Jesus answers the request of the pigs and says, okay, you go to the pigs. The pigs... People think it's strange because this was, if you just look at geographically, a Jewish community in Israel, keeping pigs would have been a no-no because pigs were seen as less than vermin. But this was a Gentile area, a non-Jewish area. A lot of settlers had come in for far. And so a lot of commentaries would agree that the, these people kept the pigs to sacrifice them to idols, which is probably marked since because you see their reaction. But anyway, the story goes, they sent into the pigs. Verse 13, so Jesus gave them permission and the demon horde immediately came out of the man and went into the pigs. This caused the herd to rush madly down the steep slope and fall into the lake, drowning about 2,000 pigs. 
Now the herdsmen fled to the nearby villages, telling everyone what they saw as they ran throughout the countryside. And everyone came out to see what had happened. Just a few things on an overall theme of this miracle. I want you to see the pure grace that Jesus had for this person and his towards his people. Pure grace. A grace that would allow Jesus to go through a storm for this one person. And it did a miracle for this one person. This one person we seen a few weeks ago with the healing of the centurion's son, that there was somebody standing in the gap for this person, the centurion's son, and the centurion stood in the gap. But with this man, there was no evidence that anybody stood in the gap for him. A community had shoved him to one side and just said, we can't deal with him, we just want him out the way. But Christ in his pure grace for this person that could do nothing for himself, there's no evidence that he was Christian parent. He did go back home, so it says at the end, so he did have family. No evidence that they were believers in Yahweh. This was a Gentile land, a Gentile community within a Jewish land. There's no evidence he didn't, he didn't tithe, he didn't go to church, he didn't pray, he didn't fast for two weeks. This was a sovereign Move, or oh, grace, in its purest form to somebody that didn't deserve it, or didn't think would deserve it, somebody cast out by society, somebody that could have no effort, no evidence that he was calling upon Yahweh, no evidence that he was calling upon the Lord, but just grace in its purest form, moving upon this land. Pure grace. Not by effort, not by works of the man, but just full, compassionate love. Jesus was attracted to the chaos of the man. I start to run away in my spirit when I start to think like this about Jesus invading the community. That just by his pure grace, just love. It's like a magnet. He's attracted to people's lives, and if they're even stuck in the worst-case scenario, he's attracted to them like a magnet. He can bypass religion and temples and couches, and he can go to people that are stuck and bound and self-harming and are out of their minds. And it's like a magnet. He's attracted to these type of people. Ah, oh, like a church for our rebels. Cast-offs. Come on. It's one thing to walk this walk of Christianity with fixed people. It's another thing to hear the grace to go after the worst of the worst. If other people would say the lowest of the low. Pure grace, pure love. His heart was for the man. He's seen past the mess and seen the man. He's seen past this pit of hell and seen his potential. Something for us to think about is just the love that this Jesus, this man God had for this disturbed, cast off of a man, this unconditional love. It's like the prodigal son that is in picture form. This is him in actual form, getting an actual person. While others see the scrapness and see the scrap within the life, he was just crazy. 
Jesus seen through the eyes of love, potential, usefulness, worthiness. We speak as Gilbert was sharing about gift to the Holy Spirit to each one of us has something to give. Nobody could tie this man up. They wanted rid of him. But yet Jesus turns up with pure grace and pure love and says, I can use that man. It's like the antiques roadshow. No my cup of tea. But I get the gig. The other people see his scrap and see his near worth much to the trained eye, to the expert, can see it as priceless. Isn't that true? That some of the stuff that they take in Antiques Roadshow to me looks rubbish. And if somebody gave me it, I'd put it to the powerhouse shop. And it would be welcome there. Or I'd put it in my attic. But to the trained eye, priceless. Because it's history. And Jesus is the expert trained eye in these circumstances. Because while Abdi else has got people in boxes and they're just hopeless, we'll put them in a hopeless box and they're not worth thinking about and we'll try and chain them up and nothing seems to work with them, so we'll put them over there. Jesus comes with a trained eye. Priceless. Priceless. I've got use in the kingdom of God for somebody like that. Because chain breakers, even demonic chain breakers once set free, are quite useful in the kingdom of God. Jesus just changed the direction of his life. This guy couldn't be shackled. I like the guys that can't be shackled. Because you can once Jesus gets a grip of them. Religions never got to be able to shackle them either. And they got to be able to settle for being shackled by religion. Just come to church, just be good. Just buy your tithe, be all right, buy all right. Just be chums with Abdi. Just pick up a seat, be part of the crowd. And a chain breaker gets set free, like, I don't want to be just part of the crowd. I kind of settle for one thing less than fullness and miracles, and I kind of settle for one thing less than other people being set free by the power of Jesus. Just watch for Jesus does. We chain breakers and people that kind of be restricted by people's thoughts and patterns. And they just want to break through it. Ah, and this is for Jesus seen within this man. Pure grace, pure love. And I just, heart burst just thinking, God, invade this land by your presence, by your grace and by your love. Pure grace, pure love, also pure power. It's one thing to hear grace. It's one thing to hear love. It's another thing to hear the power to do something about it. And that advances we... Mental health issues is great. We should speak about this mayor, but also can that Jesus has the power to do something about it. Because he didn't come just to give people sympathy. And this is a taboo subject, again it is. But I just want to open the door and say, Jesus has got the power to do something about it. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is still about life's being transformed. He could have rocked up in this seashore after a storm with a bucket load of strategy and sympathy for this guy. And it wouldn't have helped him 
one battle. But he rocks up in the power of the Most High God to bring transformation. I believe that we need to believe and have the faith to see the works that Jesus did on earth, to see it now. Because he just rocked up with pure love, pure grace, and pure power. And he didn't hear the things that we think, trying to mark church about, the things that we think we need. He just rocked up with his presence and shows us what happens when the presence of Jesus comes. He didn't hear Balden. He didn't hear green bags. He wasn't interested in taking up. He wasn't into offerings. He didn't need the worship band to come up, as good as they are, and to play sweet music hours while we do stuff. Just his presence was enough to bring transformational change. And nothing else that we see, nothing else that we do, is a means to an end, but is near the end in itself. Ah, the stuff that we hear at church. It's a means to an end, but it's got to be Holy Spirit-breathed, presence-filled, pure love, pure grace, and pure power to bring transformation. Because we could hear our thing that we think church might be about, but if we have near the power of Jesus, nobody's going to get saved. Nobody's got to get set free. We could probably pull off a good meeting. I'm pretty sure we could. But if I want to see Jesus invade this land, pure grace, I get the picture from I was thinking of us, pure grace, pure love, pure power, we are like the bride of Christ, like we should be expecting this to happen. We are now hiding out a begging bowl of Jesus, please come, please come, please come, please, please. It's bigger than that. It's about carrying an expectation like a bride waits for the groom to come into the chamber of intimacy. We're like, wow, we know he is love. And we know he is grace. And we know how powerful he is. So us as a community of believers can wait with an expectation and get excited about Jesus coming to transform other people's lives, can't we? We can come in to a prayer meeting, the prayer meeting's on in morning's night, with an expectation. Now we are begging bowl, but an expectation within our spirit. Christ is who He says He is, and He comes with power, and He comes with love, and He comes with grace, and He comes to sort people's lives out, and it's Him that we love. It's him that our hearts desire. It's him that can sort the unsortable out. It's him that can do the miracles. It's him and his sovereign will and grace can get to the darkest of the darkest of the darkest people and their problems and shine a greater light upon their lives and set them free, boom, in a moment. And everything changes. Everything changes when Jesus comes and His power and His presence. And it's a good time the church marks the important things, the important things, and nothing else goes down the list. Love, grace, unity, power. A church moving in that will see lives transformed in a moment. 
And it's our glory to him because look what happens next. Chaos is created. Verse 14, the herdsmen fled to the nearby villages, telling everyone that they saw as they ran through the countryside and everyone came out to see what had happened. People are generally nosy, aren't they? It's a great benefit to the church. People are generally nosy. They want to see if people are speaking about something they've never seen before. They think, oh, let's go and see if it's happened. When they found Jesus, they saw the demonized man sitting there. What a beautiful picture. Properly clothed and in his right mind. Right-mindedness. How long had this guy been tormented? You could probably remember it all. Are the scowls of the people, are the chains getting broken, are the torment, are the uncontrollable behavior being stronger than he should have been. But here he is found at the feet of Jesus. They saw the demonized man sitting there properly clothed in his right mind. Total restoration project, totally restored. Isn't it amazing that he suddenly had clays on? Like, Paul brought the spare change of clays for the guy. This guy was naked. But Jesus cares about clothing him as well. He's not just got to leave him in his right mind naked. Before do you get the clays for? It's a good question. It just shows you the heart of Jesus. It's not just about being set free, he cares about your dignity. He cares about covering you. He wants to shelter you to shelter and bathe in the shadow of his wings. In a spiritual sense, you could say we're clothed with righteousness, clothed in his glory, clothed in his power, in his right mind. There is hope for people that are out of their mind. There's hope for people with suicidal tendencies. There's hope for people with self-harm to be found at the feet of Jesus in their right mind, fully clothed, with dignity restored, with righteousness restored, with innocence restored, with guilt and shame gone. Just sitting, what a peaceful picture. We spoke about here in Peace in the Storm last week. But here we have it in actual form. We have spoken about Jesus being Lord of our sin, Lord of our time and space with the centurion and the sun, Lord of the storm. And here we go, I'm Lord over the spiritual realm, the, the demonic. They have people set free. Far else would you want to be than at the feet of Jesus. Spiritually speaking, if Jesus has set you free and he has saved you, we get to sit at the feet of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, seated in heavenly realms with Christ, clothed. He cares about your dignity, restoring your dignity. And now that seems good and proper, there's a community that has come out, but what happens next is strange in two senses. Verse 16, those who had witnessed this miracle reported to news to the people and included 
what happened to the pigs, because remember, that's very important. The pigs are really important. Then they asked Jesus to leave the region. Isn't that one of the saddest scriptures included in the Bible? That's just what happened. The guy that nobody could do nothing with. He's cutting himself. He's a demoniac. He's a troublesome. He's had a horrible upbringing, probably. Nobody's got a solution. He's found in his right mind, fully clothed, at the feet of Jesus. And a community couldn't bear it. They got fearful. And there's lots of theories of why they asked them to leave. And maybe just been the fully financial cost of the pigs, because when Jesus starts costing you something, or sometimes back out, it's okay when he's healing people, but when he starts costing you stuff, ah, that can if I want this. Ah, that's time spent in prayer. But maybe that was the thing. But maybe... They just never had seen anybody like this, and they maybe wondered, hold on, I've got issues. Maybe start Jesus, maybe Jesus will start putting his finger on my issues. It's all very well seeing a guy that used to be demonized, fully clothed, and in his right mind, but fits he wanted to do with my life. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. I'm not sure if Jesus, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ready if I, I'll appreciate the miracles, and if we get people like us, appreciate what they've done in your life, I'm just not sure if I'm ready for this. Jesus did the only thing with my life because I quite like my life being safe. And if he can do this and expose this stuff in his life, he'll maybe come and expose stuff in my life. And I've got secret behavior. You see, the demonized guy who's a public, who's a public madman. Sometimes people sin is more secret. And they want to keep it hidden in the secret place. And if Jesus comes, he'll maybe want to deal with the secret stuff. Maybe this community just thought, nah, we'll just ask him to leave. Save all this stuff getting exposed. Who knows? But let's pray that when Jesus moves in power over this land, there will be people that want it. There'll be people that want him. There will be people that will consider the cost and say, Jesus is worth it. There will be people that will be vulnerable enough to say, Jesus, you can get to every area of my life and put your finger on anything that is unrighteous. And if it's my behavior that you need to sort out, then sort me out. And if it's my habits that need to be sorted out, then you need to sort me out. Vulnerableness. To hear Christ move on a cost, even if it's something that's within you that isn't right. Another strange thing that happened, and as Jesus began to get into the boat to depart, the man who had been set free from demons asked a very reasonable question. He sat at the feet of Jesus, he's clothed in his right mind, he's ready for mission. He's ready for evangelism. He's ready to hang out with this man, Jesus. He says, Jesus, could I go with you? Can 
I hang around you. This is how you can that Jesus didn't go to Bible college. Because Jesus' response goes against everything that we are taught as good, upstanding, straight-less Christians. Because we are taught that what this guy needs is to hang about with the Christians, is to do the discipleship program, is to get baptized, is to hang around with us for a while. Let me make this a bit more personal. Somebody at this moment came in here, they were crazy, got set free. Would you send them away on their own? Would you? Would you say, you don't need us no more. You go on your own. The scattered servant, at one minute he was a scatterbrain, and the next minute for happened, he really wanted to hang about with the disciples, and he really wanted to hang about Jesus, and he asked a question that I think I would say absolutely yes to. You need to come to the safe place. You need to hang about with the disciples, get the benefit of two, three years Bible training, can teach you, I can show you mere miracles about the bread and wine, you can see about Lazarus, and you need to be careful because you, you used to be demon-possessed. So you need to be careful for you hang about with and you need to come into our fold, and I'll care for you. But Jesus says, no. <laughs> you get to come with us. You need to get to hang around with us. And it's not because Jesus liked them. Ah, it's just because Jesus didn't like him. He just says, you're not needed here. Go back to your home and to your family. That region was called the ten cities. Go back to your home and your family and tell them what the Lord has done for you. Tell them how he had mercy on you. So the man left and went into the region of Jordan and parts of Syria to tell everyone he met about what Jesus had done for him. And all the people marveled. Just give me a few minutes on this and then we'll close. Jesus' ways is higher than our ways, okay? I would have teen the guy. I just says, you need to be with us. I can't church practices 101. I can't send you on your own because you've been demon possessed. But Jesus' ways is higher than our ways. And I don't even think it was that he trusted the guy. Because Jesus says he knows the thoughts and the hearts of men, and he knows how we'll go off on a tangent. I think he did trust the finished work of Jesus that happened. Jesus trusts Jesus. If we start thinking he just trusts us, we've got problems. But he trusted that the work that Jesus had done in his life was final, was complete. And there was such an encounter of pure love, pure grace, pure power, that actually this guy didn't need to go for the disciples with. That Jesus trusted Jesus enough in the guy's life that he got scattered. There's a time for gathering other saints. There's a time for the scattering of the saints. It says we are like salt and light. What do you do with salt in your plate? Hopefully you just didn't pour it in one bit and make a little mound of sat. 
in Dipahangan. You scatter it, didn't you? So this guy is scatterbrain. Jesus seemed fit to say, this is not a gathering moment. This is a scattering moment. I don't need you here. I've got enough here to reach the people that we need to reach. But you can reach people that we're not going to reach because they've already invited me to go. But I'm leaving you here because you can reach places that I cannot reach. And the finished work of Jesus was enough to say, you don't need three years training in Bible college. You don't need to get the certificate. You don't need all that. If it has happened in you, is enough without a doubt. If you have been forgiven much, you will love much. Just go and tell people that Jesus has done in your life. And he went from tune to tune to place to place. The very place that he terrorized, he testified. Like, I love that stuff. The very place that couldn't cope with him as a demonized wreck, probably couldn't cope with him as a Christian either. Like, he just went, the very folk that chained him, he suddenly turned up and says, here I am, I've been set free, and Jesus has set me loose. I'm just going to tell people, near the 14 foundational truths of the faith in regards to Elam, I'm just going to tell you what Jesus has done in my life. And in terms of a church, I get excited about is not just a gathering of the saints. Now, this is far it gets dangerous. I like doing Christianity dangerous. It works best in my life, and it's simple. Like I can for house churches, it should be simple. Kids works, let's keep it simple. Youth work, let's keep it simple. Church works best when it's simple, but there's a danger element to it in our faith. It's great to see so many people come on a Sunday, isn't it? Okay, in some weeks it gets less, some weeks it gets more. But it's good to see that we're filling up. However, we shouldn't be interested in just the gathering of the saints. We should be interested in letting some of you go. And it's Nicholas, would I like you? <laughs> It's maybe just because you don't need to be here. And you don't need my preaching. And you've learned enough to go somewhere else and to start a work at Jesus. And in fact, and I'm saying that's pure love, pure grace, love Abdi here, love the unity, but I am interested in the kingdom. And we have not set out as a leadership or myself to think a wise how to fill a building of people. I'm very interested in filling people with Jesus. That's the goal, is to get people full of Jesus and out. And uh, their people, and uh, their scenarios. And it might look dangerous. And we might mark mistakes. But then I go on those mistakes of the past to stop you doing stuff in the future. My dream is not just that we'd be effective gatherers, but we'd be effective scatterers. That we'd be able to say with maturity that if you was to say to me, I want to abide here 
I want to die here. I want you to do my funeral. I just want to tithe here. I just want to pray here. I just want to be part of your worship team here. I want to do youth ministry here. I just want to do kids work here. Sometimes it's maturity you say, no. <laughs> your destiny is there to be here forever. You'd be better suited somewhere else. Is it okay to say that? Uh, some of you are not too sure. I'll just take it for granted that there's a grace in the room, that there's love in the room and a maturity in the room to say, let's get kingdom focused and it's got to be on the cards that we would send some people out because some villages have no Pentecostal representation. And if you hung around here too much, you'd maybe lose a dream that you had for that place. You'd maybe lose the vision you maybe had for that place. And you'd maybe just get comfortable sitting here and getting fed every week. But it's just numerical. The murder church grows. The people that's been here the longest, always, and is right as well, will get regarded as leaders, get regarded as deacons, get regarded as elders. But fab with the people that are joining They've got leadership within them already. That are raw. They've had an encounter. They're full of potential. Full of readiness. And there's been the finished work of Jesus in their life. You are never going to tell me that they have to wait here in that seat for 10, 15 years before they come and get noticed. And other people die off. You know what I'm saying? This is dangerous. Next week, I might only be five of us. Leaders, I'm sorry already. <laughs> I apologize before Abdi never comes back. But I would rather share my heart and be dangerous than be safe and comfortable and just won't used to come back every week because there is potential in this room to see amazing things happen in the kingdom. I would love to support people in unity and love and grace and power that say, oh, I just want to go here and tell folk about Jesus because FCC's not doing it there. I think I should be there. I want to preach a gospel there. And I've seen a movement there. And I've seen a kids' work established air in the spirit, and I've seen a Sunday school air in the spirit, and people have written it off as just a stronghold for messianic people. We cannot reach there if we are just here. We can only reach there if people go there. And maybe it just starts with you praying out an area. And I can help end this sermon. <laughs> But you're looking at his master. You want me to end the sermon. So I'm just going to end the sermon. But that's it. Pure love, pure grace, pure presence, pure power in its purest form to one person. One person. They didn't ask for him. Didn't they beg for him. Wasn't they brought up in the right way? A terrorizing, demonizing, Unshackable guy set free 
in one encounter. The community couldn't cope with that. Asked them to leave, which he duly did. But sent a missionary they wanted to hang out with him. Trusted Jesus enough that their work was finished to go and evangelize in a place that it already says, we don't want Jesus. My heart is for the communities out with this community. That we wouldn't be scared of gathering and scattering and seeing for Jesus did. Maybe our work would last a year and it just didn't work and then we'd come back and reevaluate things. But with a few years on earth, who long? It seems to go, life seems to go by like a breath. We're here one minute, gone the next. I don't want to spend my life as a pastor and as a leader trying to gather and trying to fill a building in Jesus' heart. It's about communities. And it's about gathering and sending and gathering and sending and being evangelists. And let's see God's glory come. I'm just going to end in prayer. It's a safe place to end. It's to end in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for your pure grace, your pure love, and your pure power. And when we see that, we are delighted, but sometimes what we read can confuse us. And we wonder why they asked you to leave when you'd helped somebody. Yet for these shores, Jesus, we just want to see you move. And we didn't want a church or a fellowship full of safe people with no problems. But that Jesus, you would breathe on us afresh your heart for the lost, for the broken, for the self-harmer for them that are struggling in the mind. And every day is a horrible battle of anxiousness and depression. Jesus, for anybody in here that is feeling like that, would you invade their space in Jesus' name? Would you set them free? You have come to set the captive free. And we speak to the mind and say, be free in the name of Jesus, we receive the mind of Christ, the mind of the Holy Spirit into their lives. And the day of fear is gone. The day of anxiousness is gone. The day of lack and dignity is gone. The day of self-harming is gone in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you. Your heart is not just gathering people, but is also scattering and I bless you for this gathering, this family. I thank you that there's a courage within us to speak openly. And God, maybe you have put areas and geographical locations and people's dreams and hearts. And God, would you, you have never forgotten that words you have spoken over them. And would you bring them into fruition? And may there be clarity first in the spirit and people would be able to have conversations openly for a wife forward. We just want to see the gospel preached in places that it's not preached. We want to see God move in places that have long been forgotten. God, would you redig and reopen old wells, places that have experienced touch or revivals through the years. 
Would you redig that old wells and may we see water, fresh water, spring forth. We think, oh, Crimmond, we think, we understand that there is gospel work here, but we didn't neglect that. We honor it, but God, there must be more. There must be more. There must be more. We speak our crimin. We speak our St. Corms. We thank you for the work that's going on there. There must be more for Bulgar. There must be more scattered saints to go in and help the work there for Rosati, for St. Haven, for Pitsliga, and you buy through these places. God, there must be more. You care. You turned up at a village. You turned up at a place for one person. How much more would you turn up for these communities that need Jesus, there must be more, there must be more. We speak fresh wells of water, breakthrough, anointing, God, that the darkness would go in Jesus' name. And help us as Christians, as believers, to look at life, God, not through one lens of it's happening in us and through us and my people, but help us to look, God, bigger and wider and to see and be mature enough to want to see your kingdom come in different places and to see people reach people that we couldn't reach. And so it goes forth. Your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Protect us, we pray, in Jesus' name. May our words to each other be filled with grace, love, and power. God, you are coming back, Jesus, for our bride, to be with you forever, our expectant, bold, blushing bride. And may we carry out within our spirits continually. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless us. Thanks for being great listeners once again. You're so great to preach the word of God to. Well, you certainly are to my face. I don't really care if it's uh, ruin your dinner tables. But it's good to see you coming back. Please come back. If anything, even just for my ego, if you could come back. I haven't even got to be here next week. Oh, well, the leaders can deal with the chaos. I'm a with the youth. Maybe a big mistake I speak about demon, demonic manifestation when you go away with our youth for a weekend. So please pray for me. And Sarah's speaking next. Where is Sarah? She's usually there. Oh, she's, she's whacked out. Oh, she's a wild crash. She's preaching next week. She'll be blessed. Yeah, but God bless us. Uh, Filipino service starts at 2 p.m.